Please stand for the reading of the word. It's going to be in James chapter 2, verse 14. So what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but do not give the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does... If it does not have works, it's dead. But some will say, if you, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. But do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by his works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith. In verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Will you pray with me? My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this opportunity just to come share your message. Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will fill this room and you will just uh, remove this spirit of fear and anxiety from me and just replace it with you, Father. And just let your words flow through me. Just remove me from the situation, Father, and just let it be all about you. Father, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. We ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. They already got one walking out on me. <laughs> I ain't even got started. Okay, I'm very nervous. So when I'm nervous, I joke around a little bit. So if I start joking, that's why. <laughs> um, I'm thankful for being here. I'm glad y'all let me come in. Y'all may regret this when this is over with, but we'll see what happens. I came here in March, I believe, and just to visit and kind of look around. And then I'd originally planned on coming here April 3rd. I messaged Jim the Monday before, and uh, there was some miscommunication. So our plans got changed. Which Jim apologized a hundred times, but I kept telling him it wasn't no big deal because I knew if God postponed it, he postponed it for a reason. So I had my message ready, and I put it to the side because I knew if I went in there trying to figure out what was supposed to be changed, I'd just mess the whole thing up. Well, then I came on Easter, and this place was just completely packed, and I was thankful that I wasn't having to get up in front of everybody that day. <laughs> so that Wednesday, I get to work, and I get in my truck. I work in the oil field, and I drive a little treater truck. And I always keep it on 90.5, and it picks up Air One out of Abilene. It'll pick up uh, K-Love out of Midland. A lot of times it picks up static. But every once in a while, if I'm facing the right direction and the wind's blowing right, it'll pick up uh, American Family Radio. Well, this particular day, it picked it up for all day long. It was really good. They were having their Founders Day uh, fundraiser, and they were talking about Don, Don Wildman. I guess he was the founder. And he gave a speech, and he gave the speech July 13th of 2000. And when I heard it, I knew when, my my, when I came was postponed because it just changed my whole message. So I'm going to start out by reading this. I want to let you all know ahead of time, this wasn't him trying to take a stab at Christians. This wasn't him trying to make fun of Christians. This was him, it's a call, of action, call to action by him. So it was Don Wildman on July 13th of 2000. In 1973, the Supreme Court said it was okay to kill unborn babies. 
Since then, we have killed more than the entire population of Canada, and it continues. A woman's choice, half of those who died in their mother's wombs have been children. They didn't have a choice. It was called abortion. Me, I go to church. The minister preaches. I go home. That's what Christians do now. First, it was in dingy, dirty theaters, then convenience stores, then grocery stores, then on television. Now it is in the homes of, of millions via the Internet. It's called pornography. Me, I go to church. The minister preaches. I go home. That's what Christians do now. They call it no fault. Why should we blame anyone when something tragic happens? Haven't they already suffered enough? Half of the marriages in America end this way. The children suffer. The family broken down. It's called divorce. Me, I go to church. The minister preaches, and I go home. That's what Christians do now. At one time, it was perversion. We kept it secret. We secured help and hope for those who practiced it. Now it is praised. We have parades celebrating it. The elected officials give it their blessings. Now it's endowed with special privileges and protected by special laws. Even some Christian leaders and denominations praise it. It's called homosexuality. Me, I go to church. The minister preaches. I go home. That's what Christians do now. At one time it was wrong, but the state decided to legalize it, promote it, and tax it. It, was ripped, it has ripped apart families and destroyed lives. Just as we look at the money, the state, just look at the money the state has raised. No longer do we have to teach our children to study and work hard. Now we teach them they can get something for nothing. We spend millions encouraging people to have fun and excitement. Just look at the big sums of, that people are winning. They will never have to work again. It's called gambling. Me, I go to church. The minister preaches. I go home. That's what Christians do now. Not long ago, Christians were the good guys. But now any positive image of Christians in movies, of, in movies or TV is gone. We, have, we are... We are Acknowledged as the bad guys, greedy, narrow-minded hypocrites. The teachers can't have Bibles on their desks, but they can have Playboy. We don't have Christmas and Easter holidays. We have winter and spring breaks. We can't pray in school, but we can use foul language. It's called being tolerant. Me, I go to church. The minister preaches. I go home. That's what Christians do now. Yes, these things came to pass within 30 years. Where were the Christians? While they were at church. These are, these are things for someone else to deal with. Times have changed. Involvement has been replaced with apathy. But don't blame me. I didn't do anything. I go to church. The minister preaches. I go home. That's what Christians do now. When I heard this, let me get a drink because I'm getting. <laughs> when I heard this, I was heartbroken. And honestly, I had some tears in my eyes because that was me. You see, I gave my life to Christ November 30th of 2012. And I spent the next several years going to church, the minister would preach, and I would go home. And that was the end of my Christianity. Because I believed what the enemy had told us. I believed that Christians were supposed to be tolerant, submissive, politically correct, non-confrontational, timid, accepting of all others. And it got to the point in my life where I started questioning God. And I couldn't understand how Christianity had lasted all these years when all we did was sit around and let everybody run all over us. And I started praying, God, if, if there's more, I want it. I don't want to just sit around anymore. I'm tired of sitting here. You know, I've, I've said this a million times that everybody talks about, oh, I've read the end of the book. We, we win in the end. Well, I've watched enough Rocky movies. I don't want to sit there and just get beat up for 12 rounds and then win at the end. You know, that's not an excuse to step back. That's an excuse to fight. 
So as I was praying for God to give me more, he brought me to the book of James. And the first thing that he showed me was James 1.22. But be doers of the word, not just hearers only, deceiving yourself. And see, this really stuck out to me because I've been to church, I've been to youth groups, uh, men's groups, Bible studies, all kinds of things, and I never once had heard that preached. Everybody always said, just listen to the word, just do, just listen, just listen, just listen. And it's very important to listen to what the word says, but it's more important to do what the word says. And then James 2, 14, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have work? Can faith save them? If a brother or sister is naked and lacking of daily food, and you say to them, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? And I thought, man, I've done that. You know, I would, I would give somebody clothes or food if they were starving. But then God started showing me all the times that I didn't. All the times that I didn't help somebody because my time was too important. All the times that I didn't loan somebody money because I worked too hard to give them my money. And he wasn't trying to hurt me. He was trying to change me. And my heart began to change. And then, uh, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. So I tried to figure out how can I show my faith without works. And it reminded me of when uh, I used to play a lot of softball back in my younger and thinner days. And I uh, always had a, Max knows this, I always had a lot of people come tell us, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I can play, I can play. So we'd put them on the team and then they couldn't hit a ball, they couldn't catch a ball, they couldn't throw a ball. So their words didn't match their actions. So I decided I wanted to live a life where people could tell I was a Christian without me having to tell them I was a Christian. And that became something that was very important to me, and I started trying to live my life that way. And as I did, things started to change in my life. I started being able to understand the Bible, because let's, let's be honest, it's pretty, very hard to understand sometimes. Uh, my attitude started to change. The way I looked at life started to change. The music I listened to changed. The shows I watched changed. And I had this, this joy in my life that was unexplainable. And it wasn't something that just because I was happy for the minute, it was no matter what was going on, I could always see the good in it. So I started trying to live this life. And I started trying to speak it into other people's lives. And I got a lot of, uh, a lot of attacks I know it was the enemy, but he was using my fellow churchgoers. He was using the church leaders. And every one of them would say, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. At least anyone should boast. And they would all tell me, see, you can't do any. It doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to earn salvation. And I would tell them I agree with them 100%, that I wasn't trying to earn salvation. I already had my salvation. But through my salvation should produce good works. And I'd also tell him that when Paul wrote Ephesians, he didn't write it in chapters and in verses. He wrote it in its entirety. So if you continue reading in verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, faith brings our salvation, but the act of obedience shows that our faith is real. And then many would say that... Uh, well, this is, a, this is not a battle against flesh and bones. This is a spiritual battle, so all we can do is pray. All we can do is pray. Now, prayer should be the first thing we go to in any situation, whether it's good or bad. But I'm here to tell you right now that prayer isn't the only thing we can do. In Exodus chapter 14, Moses had fled Egypt with the Israelites, and they'd come up to the Red Sea, 
and they were trapped, and the Israelites were crying out to Moses, why did you take us here? We could have stayed in, in Egypt and been slaves, but at least we'd been alive. Now we're going to die. So Moses was praying to God. Time out. And in verse 15, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. You see, the Lord was telling Moses, I've heard your prayers. I've made a way. But you're going to have to trust me, and you're going to have to get up and go. See, the prayer received the answer, but the action received the result. So as I was preparing for this message, I started looking elsewhere in the Bible where I could find these. In the Titus 3.8, 3, Paul says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, that those who believe in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. In 1 John 3.8, my little children, let us not love with words and speech, but in actions and in truth. And in Matthew 16, through 24 through 27, Jesus says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Deny himself. It's the first action. We have to let go of our selfish nature. Take up his cross. That's the second action. We have to be prepared to be persecuted and follow me. Follow me means we have to do what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just go to church on Sundays. Jesus ministered, and Jesus showed by his works. For whoever decides, whoever desires to leave his life, uh, hold on. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Verse 27, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. You see here he's talking about how we use our gifts, our opportunities, and our responsibilities. How many of us have ever been at a restaurant or just driving down the road and you hear a voice saying, go pray for that guy? This happened to me a lot. How many of us have told that little voice to be quiet, I'm not going to go pray for that guy? Is that just me? Those are the opportunities that God gives us. And he gives us all gifts. Some people can get up and speak, speak in public. I can't, but I try. Some people have musical talents. Again, I can't. My wife tells me that uh, I'm tone deaf. And I tell her all the time I'm not tone deaf. I can hear how bad I sound. <laughs> but, but other gifts, uh, some people are just gifted athletes, gifted with their hands. There's a lady that works at the the church camp in Luters, Texas, and her gift is cooking. And I know that may sound like it's nothing, but she ministers to over a thousand people a year through her cooking. And when you leave that camp, you know love just by her. By her. And she was telling us that during COVID that uh, they needed a new ice maker, you know, and there was no camps going on, so the camp was struggling really hard. Well, she told the director that they needed an ice maker, and he said, okay, make cinnamon rolls. And she thought to herself, you know, this is dumb. What's Cinnamon Rolls going to do to give me an ice maker? But she was obedient to what he said and used her gift, and God multiplied it and blessed it. And within three months, they had bought a brand new ice maker. So the last verse I'm going to leave you all with is Matthew 28, 19. Jesus gives us the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you all to notice that Jesus didn't say, if you have time, go and make disciples. If there's nothing on TV, go and make disciples. He said, go. This is a command. For any of us that love God, 
it is our job to go out and make disciples. And where he says all nations, all nations is translated as all people. See, we can't all go to Africa or Belize or Honduras. I hope and pray one day that God will send us, but he hasn't. But I can go next door. I can go to United, Walmart, the gas station, football games. Anywhere I go, I can make disciples. And that's what we were called to do. You see, while works can't save us or increase God's love for us, it's the true indications of our faith and our love for Jesus. So what are some of these small actions that we can do? The easiest one is to invite somebody to church. You know, there's a large number of people that don't come to church simply because nobody's ever invited them. Because they didn't always live a good life. So now they think they're not worthy. And all of us, we don't invite them. What about when one of our brothers or sisters is going through something tragic? Most of the time, we bake them a, a pile or a casserole, and we go over there and we say, here you go. If you need anything, let us know. We'll be praying for you, and we leave. And we wipe our hands at it because we've done our job. But how many times do we go back and check on them the next day or a couple days later and let them know that we love them and that God loves them? Because if we're not doing it, the enemy is in their heads. Um, Jesus says that the Son of God did not come to serve, or not, came to serve, not to be served. So volunteer. Volunteer at your church. You know, there's always cleaning to be done, whether it's vacuuming, dusting, cleaning the toilets, uh, mowing the yard. There's tons of things you can do here. Volunteering to, or praising the uh, youth leaders. And so stepping up and being a volunteer. Get involved in your community. It takes a lot of work for these schools to put on stuff that they do during the year. So volunteer. Get involved in what's going on in your town. You know, the, the government is trying to put a, a lot of things through our school system without us knowing it. So go to the school board meetings and find out what they're talking about. Find out what they're voting on. Go to the city council meetings. Find out what's going on in our city, what they're being talked about in our city. And I know something that people don't like to interfere with church, but vote. Because if you're not going out and voting for people with uh, biblical beliefs, the enemy's out there voting for people that don't. See, these are all simple things that we can do, that each and every one of us can do from the youngest to the oldest. And if you spend your whole life serving God, and all you do is save one person's life and bring one person's life to God, it was worth it. You see, we all know who Billy Graham is. And thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been led to Christ because of Billy Graham. And his effects are still being felt today. But how many people know who led Billy Graham to church, or to Christ? It was a man named, uh, man, I went blank now. I looked it up because I didn't know. But uh, through his obedience and him leading Billy Graham, he blessed it and multiplied it, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been brought, brought to Christ. So my message today is just get out and do something. There's more to this than just coming to church on Sundays and going home. We're called to live a Christian life seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And there's always people watching us. Half of them are watching us waiting for us to mess up so they can say something. The other half is watching us because they want to know how Christians live. So get out and live a worldly li or a godly life and eliminate yourself from the world. So that's all I got. Short and sweet. I'm a little nervous, so I kind of rushed through it. <laughs> I had a lot more I wanted to say, but I can't remember any of it right now. <laughs> so we're going to have a hymn of invitation. Uh, Y'all can come up, pray. If anybody's wanting to accept God for the first time, if you don't know what your gifts are and you want God to give it to you or to tell you, come up and get prayer. 
if you know what your gift is and you just want opportunities to use it, then come up and get prayer. Uh, I'll pray and then we'll, we'll be, the altar will be open. My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for this opportunity just to share your word. Father, uh, if anybody that's here today or watching on Facebook that wants to get closer to you, Father, I just pray that they will come up and they'll just uh, open their hearts and their minds to you, Father, and just realize that there's more to this life than just sitting around, Father. We just pray that you'll give each and every Christian just the boldness to go out and share your word, Father. We love you. We praise you. We ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen.